Conan and his new ally, Brissa, a deadly Pictish scout, trek deep into the heart of the enemy. What will they discover? That's today on Hither Came Conan. Welcome to Hither Came Conan, the podcast that has one hand in its pocket and the other one's holding a battle axe. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and today we're looking at the third of the new Conan the Barbarian issues from Heroic Signatures and Titan Comics. Issue number three hit the stands on Wednesday, September the 27th, and the title of the story is Bound in Blackstone Part 3, The Fortress. It was written by Grim Jim Zub, art by Ravaging Rob Delatore, colors by Devious Dean White, letters by Riotous Richard Starkings, and the editor was Merciless Matt Murray. And again, if anybody can tell me why there is a period in his name, Matt, period, Murphy, I, I just got to know. Stephen or else at gmail.com. That email address will be in the show notes. and. A reminder before we get into the issue, this is a commentary show, not a review show. What's the difference? Well, a review is a critical appraisal of a book, play, movie, etc., while a commentary is an expression of opinions or offering of explanations about an event or a situation. In other words, my brain functions in such a way that I lack the ability to intelligently critique a work of art. I can tell you that I like it or that I don't like it. I'm just not great at telling you why, other than maybe describing the emotions I felt while I was reading the book. I don't know much about art. I don't know what I like. Also, there are going to be spoilers, so keep that in mind. I typically don't give a warning for spoilers when I'm talking about the Marvel books that came out in the 70s, but this just came out last week, so spoilers ahoy! Into the boat! Previously in the Conan the Barbarian Titan series, Conan was chilling at a wilderness tavern. He'd just left his mercenary group by force and was kicking back with a cold one before going back to Samaria, his homeland, which he has not been back to since leaving after the Battle of Venarium when he was 15? I think it was 15. Anyway, a woman, a fierce Pictish scout by the name of Brissa, she shows up and warns everyone of the death headed their way when, sure enough, an army of undead Picts arrive, killing almost everyone. Conan and Brissa survive and follow the zombie horde, which we learn is not the full army. Conan and Brissa, after taking a little time to see each other naked and make all the sex and whatnot, they trail the undead Picts to a massive blackstone monolith alight with an eerie glow and the two decide to enter. And that is where we begin this issue. Conan and Brissa entering the fortress. The opening page is a splash page. It shows Conan and Brissa in the entryway of this big black stone fortress. Brissa has her hood up and a mask over her mouth and nose. She's clutching a sword in both hands. Conan has a sword in one hand and an axe in the other, looking very much like the badass that he is. 
Both of them look very fearsome. I wouldn't want to mess with either one of them for fear of having my head and and other bits lopped off of my body. They explore deeper and deeper into this big black monolithic fortress, eventually coming across a group of hooded figures. They they follow them to a a great big door banded in metal that they open with some sort of key. It's it's like a weird bone hook thing that one of these hooded dudes pulls out of a sleeve or something and he just fits between the two doors and turns and then the two doors swing open. Conan and Brissa follow them in, but at a number of paces behind, so they're not discovered. And they come across a cell, a, a, a cage of some sort. Well, not of some sort. It's definitely a cage. And in it are Conan's fellow Sumerians. Now, they had run across a Sumerian village earlier in the story and found what they thought was everyone in the village dead, but they discover that here are some of the the men that have been taken prisoner. One of the Sumerians recognizes Conan as being the son of Corin, and the prisoners tell Conan that they were taken captive, and they reference their foe, calling them the, the Pale Ones, that every once in a while, the Pale Ones will show up and take one of these Sumerians away, and that they, they will never return. Before Conan can free them, we get two of the hooded figures. They arrive with a pair of Picts, uh, undead warriors, leashed with chains. And Conan, who's pretty freaking pissed off at this point, leaps into the fray and just starts cutting people down. And I really like what Jim Zub wrote here to describe kind of what's going through Conan's mind when these two hooded figures and their two undead Pictish warriors arrive. It says, The hooded figures stand stoic and silent. In front of them, a pair of deathless Picts, cursed to service and slaughter. For days, Conan has kept his righteous anger in check, waiting till time and purpose were one. That time is now. That purpose is retribution. With the speed of a mountain lion, the Sumerian surges forth, weapon and body in terrifying tandem. His blade cuts deep, issuing a gout of cogent crimson, making his purpose clear. This just <laughs> it's just some good stuff. It's very, well, I think Jim Zub does a, a great job of channeling the voice of Robert E. Howard as far as how he wrote Conan. And it only makes this story better. It, it just, it adds to the story because a lot of this description, a lot of these text boxes don't need to be here. And in most modern comics, with the exception of narration boxes, we wouldn't be seeing text boxes. We would probably be seeing, you know, thoughts that Conan might be having as he narrates what's going on. And that would not have worked here. We've, I don't know that there are any Robert E. Howard Conan stories that are told in the first person that, that Conan is telling himself. And I feel like I ran across a comic. I think it was the Ablaze adaptation of Queen of the Black Coast, where a lot of that is narrated by Conan. And it just, it doesn't come across very well. Conan is, while I've often heard that the reason or the, the, the reason Robert E. Howard has all had always given about writing and publishing these Conan stories out of chronological order. You know, it starts the first story, Phoenix on the Sword. He's a king. Then you have Tower of the Elephant. 
where he's a young man and a thief. And then you can go, it, it just kind of goes back and forth in his timeline. And Robert E. Howard always compared that to uh, a warrior after reaching a certain age, sitting around the campfire with other warriors, just telling them stories of the the various adventures uh, he had gotten into. And they may not, you know, a warrior in that case may not tell those stories in order. But with that in mind, you don't really read any Robert E. Howard stories as Conan or using Conan's voice. So using narration boxes here, you know, Conan himself saying, I spied a pair of hooded figures and they pissed me off. And so I took out my sword and blah, blah, blah. It just, it wouldn't work. And again, while a lot of modern comics, if they didn't use the narration boxes, there just wouldn't be any text boxes here at all. You can follow this story without those text boxes. You don't need to know that Conan has kept his righteous anger in check, waiting till time and purpose were one. You don't need to know that to understand that Conan is pissed. Here are some bad dudes in front of him, and he's finally getting the chance to get in there and chop some heads and some arms and whatnot off of the the, the people that have imprisoned his fellow Sumerians and have killed a lot of other folks that he, you know, considered contemporaries, not, not exactly friends. I don't know what I'm going for there. But while we don't need the text, it's wonderful to have it there because then it feels more like a Robert E. Howard Conan story, if that makes any sense at all. Anyway, Conan is fighting these hooded men and the the undead Pictish warriors. He rips the hood off of one of these hooded men, and we find that it's some kind of reptile man, and it kind of throws Conan aback for a moment. He's kind of a bit surprised to see this, this weird-looking reptile thing, and he is then tackled by one of the undead, and the fight... Co- the fight commences. And in fact, even the caged Sumerians get into it by grabbing one of these undead warriors as it backs up against the cell. And one of the dudes grabs it by its hair and pulls its head into the cell. And then one of the other Sumerians takes a big freaking rock, a big giant boulder that's as big as his head and drops it atop this undead warrior and makes it turns it from being undead to being dead dead. So the battle's over, the four bad guys are or dead. Conan wants to go deeper into the fortress and find out who all is behind this and make his revenge upon them and just do a bunch of killing. Some of the Sumerians want to go with him. The well, all of the Sumerians want to go with him, but all of them are not up to the task. Many of them are very weak from being captive and and being unfed and whatnot and wounded and everything. And so there's only a handful of them. I think three of the Sumerians go with Conan and Conan talks Brissa into leading the others out of the fortress and taking them to a place that is safe. Before she leaves, Conan has this ancient picked blade that he says is hers by right. I don't remember if this freaking blade came up at all in the story before this. I I don't know. I can't remember now. My mind is a little blank, but he goes to give it to her and she says, no, you'll give it to me when you return, when you come out of the fortress safe and sound. And that's a little ominous, right? Why, why would he, why would Jim Zub put that in there? If it literally meant he'll just give it to her later. What, what was the point of all that? We, we know that that's not just some offhand thing. Something's going to happen to Brissett. Surely not going to happen to Conan. 
something's going to happen to Brissa, or he just may lose the, the blade for all we know. Anyway, the other three Sumerians are Hydalin, Mago, and Tormi, and they put on two of the robes from the, the reptile men and try to sneak in deeper into the fortress. They find two more robed men, they kill them, and now all four of them are wearing the robes with the hoods, and they come upon this big open chamber with this weird green pool. And there's a lot of these robed figures. And on the other side of the pool is a man with ceremonial robes. He's, he's, he's very done up in a ceremonial way with some kind of wicked looking skull mask on. And he's speaking in a, uh, some, some sort of foreign language, but calls out the name of Thulsa Doom. Now, I recognize that name right away. And probably just because within the last, three months, I watched the movie Conan the Barbarian with Arnold Schwarzenegger and the bad guy in that played by James Earl Jones. He was Thulsa Doom. But I looked into it a little bit more to see if there was more about the guy to see if this was just a throwaway line. You know, hey, let's let's get a bad guy in here and let's just take the guy from the movie that will make all the the, the movie fans happy. But no, Thulsa Doom comes from the comics and I'm just going to read to you here what's on the uh, Conan.Fandom.com in regard to Thulsa Doom, who the website describes as a powerful wizard who opposed both Conan the Barbarian and Cole the Conqueror. It says Thulsa Doom first appeared in the Cole stories by Robert E. Howard as a powerful undead wizard and necromancer. He declared himself to be the greatest of all wizards and the eternal foe of Cole. He appeared as a man with a skull for a head and eye sockets that burned with unholy flames. He cannot be harmed by ordinary mortal weapons, and his stated magical powers included illusion, invisibility, and dimensional travel, though presumably there were many others. He was a follower of the Great Serpent and an ally of the Serpent Men. Thulsa Doom unfortunately featured in a single story only, The Cat and the Skull, and even then relatively briefly. In that story, he tricked Cole into entering the Forbidden Lake, in an attempt to destroy him, but Cole survived and Thulsa Doom escaped. In the 1982 film Conan the Barbarian, Thulsa Doom, portrayed by James Earl Jones, is the enacting lead antagonist. He's a Stygian whose power as a strong and renowned wizard places him as the leader of the unnamed snake cult that grows to be more powerful than most aspiring cults of the same sort. So yeah, not a lot of comic book information here, so I'm not really sure if Thulsa Doom has appeared in the comics before. I'm sure folks who have been reading this stuff a lot longer than me, have that information, and they can provide that to me, Stephen or else at gmail.com. Anyway, they invoke the name of Thulsa Doom, and then they throw a captive Sumerian into this freaking lake of green, glowing green water as the robed men chant Doom. We then learn that Brissa and her Sumerian companions made it out of the fortress. She leads them to a place of safety, and then she, well, it looks like she's decided to go back. She's standing there looking back from whence they came, and she hasn't gotten moving yet. But as the text box is telling us that a choice must be made, one of the Sumerians is asking her, Lass? And then that's the last we see of her in this issue, I think. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll keep going here. But we go back to Conan and his Sumerian companions and the serpent men in their black robes sacrifice another Sumerian. And then Conan and his boys are discovered, and then everybody starts fighting. There's a great 
great double page spread of Conan and his Sumerian brethren fighting these serpent men. Conan is lopping the head off of one of them, screaming out, slay them all. I would totally love this as a poster framed art hanging on my wall. It's, it's gorgeous. So eventually during the fight, Conan leaps across the, the chasm, or in other words, the pool of green water to try to get to the priest. He's able to make it just barely. One of his Sumerian friends attempts to jump with him, but he doesn't make it. He lands in the lake. And that's not a good thing to land in this pool of green water because it does bad things to people. It steals their souls or whatnot. And uh, you see, you want to stay out of that water. You don't want to be in it. But Conan and the priest start fighting. Conan takes the picked, the ancient Pictish blade that he tried to give to Brissa before she left. He takes it and stabs the priest through the head. And then they both fall off of this stony outcropping and into the water. And we get a final splash page. As the Sumerian plunges neath those wretched waters, he feels a shock that strikes his very soul. Whatever lies below in black, better to drown than face a fate far worse than death. Next issue, Elegy of the Ebony. Everybody out. And so that's how this issue ends. We have one more left to go in this uh, this story arc. But first, let's talk real quick about the the four covers that were offered with this issue. Cover A is by Doug Braithwaite, who will be handling the next story arc. We'll be talking about that in a moment. Cover B was by Patch Zerker. Cover C by Max Von Fafner. And then cover D by Robert De La Torre. Cover D is my favorite. I would really like to know of these four covers. Whenever we talk about one of these Titan Conan issues, I think as long as there's going to be alternate covers, we'll talk about them. And then I want to know what your favorite is. I'll tell you what mine is. It's cover D, the Robert De La Torre cover. It's Conan wrestling with a great big snake. And it's an 80s Marvel Conan the Barbarian John Buscema homage cover. He's wearing the blue tunic that he always wore in those 80s Conan comics that John Buscema drew. And Robert De La Torre already draws very reminiscent of John Buscema. And so it just fits totally with this freaking cover. They even changed the the font, I guess you could say, for the Conan the Barbarian title on the front so that it looks like the old Marvel 80s comics. They put an art corner box there with Conan in it like they would in the old Marvel. It's it's a wonderful cover. And that's something that I would love to have framed and hanging on my wall. But which one is which one is your favorite, folks? Let me know, Stephen or else at gmail.com. But as I said, we have just one more issue that will wrap up this story arc, the Bound in Blackstone, the first story arc here in the Titan run. The collection of these four issues is due out in February, which you can pre-order now over on Amazon. I will put an affiliate link in the show notes. If you are thinking about doing that, please choose my affiliate link so I can make a little scratch off of that. We also have some info on the second story arc that's coming up after this one. It's going to be called Thrice Marked for Death. The collection for this story arc is due out in June of 2024, and you can pre-order that on Amazon now as well. And again, the affiliate link is in the show notes. Thrice Marked for Death is written by Jim Sub, but Rob Delatore will take a break and he hands the art chores over to Doug Braithwaite. But if you're a Rob Delatore fan like me, don't worry, he'll be back for the third story arc. But 
Like I said, you can pre-order Thrice Marked for Death already, the collection on Amazon, which will be due out in June. But here's the description so we know what's coming up in this next arc. Now 27 and mourning the death of his beloved Belit, when Conan is approached by the Thieves' Guild to act as muscle for a heist in Shadazar they're planning, Conan agrees, hoping that some mindless wanton violence will drown the pain he's feeling. Despite the mission being a success, the gang inadvertently unleash a trio of vengeful, dark and deadly spirits who guard the treasure. Now freed, the spirits proceed to possess each member of the group, leaving Conan as the last man standing and forced to find a way to stop them or suffer the same fate. It is a fight unlike any he has ever faced before and one that will take him to a place of legend and myth. In this, the second volume of the new Conan the Barbarian Adventures, writer Jim Zub teams up with the legendary artist Doug Braithwaite for a truly extraordinary and savage new tale. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Obviously, I'm not going to be pre-ordering collections. The, the, the single issues are fine for me, and I get them all digitally anyway, so I don't need more stuff to take up space, what little space I have left here in this house. But yeah, that was our issue. Really enjoyed it. Oh my God, Rob Delatore just keeps getting better and better. That's what I feel like. I, you know, I've been reading all these old Marvel Conan books and I'm enjoying them. And I've been listening to all of the Robert E. Howard Conan stories and which I, I, I think I'm done. I just listened to Red Nails recently and that was the last one in the third collection of the audio books I'm listening to. There, there are more, there's more in it. They have like uh, some of his unreleased drafts, but uh, as far as published Conan stories by Robert E. Howard, I, I've listened to them all at this point. And then, of course, I have been reading some of the other Marvel stuff to get uh, the, the comic book adaptations of, for example, Red Nails, which I just finished, and the Ablaze comics and the Dark Horse comics. I'm, I'm trying to just kind of weave in and out of all that stuff. The the second run of Marvel books, I just recently read the the King Conan six-issue miniseries they had there before Marvel lost the license the second time to Heroic Signatures and Titan Comics. But with all of that that I'm reading, this Titan Comics run so far, three issues in, is the best of them all. It's my favorite. It's I'm looking forward to it every month. I think while a great big chunk of that has to do with Jim Zub and this tale that he's writing and the text boxes, the narration or the, the, the story that he's put together here, you combine that with the Rob Delatore art. And it's just, it's the best Conan that I have been subjected to over the last year. Let me repeat that in case Jim Zub wants to put it in a collection or on the back of one of his issues. The Conan the Barbarian series from Heroic Signatures and Titan Comics is the absolute best Conan that I have read over the last year. And that's something you can take to the bank. And speaking of Conan stuff that I've been reading recently, they just last week or earlier this week, depending on when this came out, as of the, the day that I'm recording this, it was earlier in the week that they released the first of the Savage Tales short fiction Conan books. They call it the Heroic Legends series, and it's book one, Conan, Lord of the Mount by Stephen Graham Jones. These are going to be a series of short stories, and they're fairly short. They're 
the the they're digital only. They it was this one was a dollar ninety nine, and I read it sitting in the automotive service department of a Walmart as I waited for them to change the oil in my car. Just got out my phone, got to my Kindle app, sat there and read it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a quick read, but it was a lot of fun, packed with savage action and Conan fights a big old monster. And here, I'll just read the description to you. Awakening covered in blood, the sole survivor of a doomed raiding party, Conan sets out for the taverns, women, and ale of Trinisol. I know I'm mispronouncing that, but I've, I've tried to say it now five times, which I've edited out, and I, I'm done. I'm not saying it anymore. Anyway, to continue. To reach the village, however, he must pass ruins scattered with the shattered helmets, broken blades, and bones of untold victims, as well as the hideous creature that left them, the Lord of the Mount. Again, it was pretty awesome, and I am looking forward to the second one, which comes out in October. It's the Heroic Legends series, book two, Conan, Black Starlight. I don't have who wrote that in front of me right now. But if you want to pick up Lord of the Mount and pre-order Black Starlight, again, I have affiliate links there in the show notes. And once again, I'd appreciate if you're going to go ahead and do that if you haven't done it yet, but you've been planning on it and you want to pick these up, please use my affiliate links because Stephen's family needs some money, folks. Anyway, that's all I got today, folks. I hope you had fun. I certainly did. Next week, we get back to the Marvel Conan comics with issue number 15 from February of 1972, which sees the conclusion of the two-part storyline featuring Elric of Melnibene and his pointy hat. Nice hat! And hey, do me a favor. Before I let you go, if you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate the show. The more ratings I have, the easier it is for others to find us. We're currently sitting at eight ratings with an average of 4.4 stars. Let's see if we can get that to 15 ratings by the end of the year. And remember, you don't have to leave a review. That's not a requirement to rate the show like it used to be. But if you do leave a review, I will read it out on a future episode, good or bad. So that's your homework, folks. Your call to action. Rate the show. Review it if you're up to it. Tell all your friends, host listening parties, hang up flyers, send coded messages and popular TV shows. You know, if you happen to be a TV exec, drop leaflets from an airplane, anything you can do, spread the word, Thunderbird. Until then, folks, keep your swords close by and never stop treading them jeweled thrones. Bye. Hither Came Conan is a Stephen or Else production. Find more podcasts at stephenorelse.com. Questions and comments can be directed to stephenorelse at gmail.com. Find me online at Twitter, Spoutable, and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or Else. And join my newsletter, Stephen Says Stuff, at list.justanotherfanboy.com. This is a free substack where I will send every single podcast episode I host right to your inbox the morning that they are released. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to give you and your fellow patrons podcast episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate this show wherever available and share this episode with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. 
Conan and his new. I always have an issue with the very first line every single time, and I'm going to make it rhyme. If I didn't, that would be a crime. Hello and welcome to Hither Came Conan, the podcast. Ooh, I always have to remember to take a big, huge breath there, and I never do the first time. Those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. I don't know if that's the right line or quote or whatever. Well, a review is a critical appraisal. Well, a review is a critical appraisal. Appraisal. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm not. I've, I'm. I mean. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I am. Why can't I say? Really? Wow. I had a demon in me there for a second, folks. Oh, Lord, help me. I had a demon inside me. Someone must come and save me. I just don't think I can move through life knowing that a guy named Steven did this to me. Conan must die. Set in the universe of Robert E. Howard's Conan the Barbarian. Don't tell me to behave myself. Talk to Conan the Barbarian here. Go ahead, Conan. Explain to Milo why we should play your tape. You're Conan. You're the destroyer. Oh, hi, Conan. How are you? Good. You know Captain Dynaball here? Yes! Yes! I love you, Conan the Barbarian! And who was it? Conan the Barbarian? This unauthorized parody of Conan the Barbarian. It's Conan. What? It's Conan. Hello, Conan! Conan, what is best in life? Yeah, like Conan should be afraid different. Uh, excuse me, this is irrelevant, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's not easy to pad these out to 30 minutes. Enough talk! <laughs> <laughs>